Hello, and welcome to another edition of Cybersecurity Chronicles. I'm joined again today here by Stanley Lee and Sean Mahoney of NetSwitch. Welcome both. Hey, James. Hey, James. Good to be back. And Happy New Year, and happy new year to you both. Yeah, yes, first show of the year. year. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So uh, today's podcast topic is why Sunburst means it's time to stop pretending your IT professional is a cyber risk expert. Now, there's a story behind this one, as always. And Stanley, this was your idea. So why don't you <laughs> explain um, the, why this, this was your idea for a topic today? Yeah, I, I think that the first thing I'm going to clarify, what is cyber risk? Cyber risk is what we are work, have been working on in the last year and a half, talking about governance and cybersecurity together. How is being two separate language? in kind of like a two department within the same company they both focusing on mitigating the cyber risk but they speak in two different languages and quoting our one our security architect saying the auditor using the word control as a noun well they do it once a year once a month or whatever time frame the auditor the compliance officers the risk management look at that control and look at it once a year. And then the other part is the technologists, the IT managements, the cybersecurity management, looking at the control as a noun, as a verb that it was is constantly going you know, to keep going and keep changing. So that, that summarizes it into what the new terms in the industry calling cybersecurity governance. And that ties in into what's happening with the solar wind hack and sunburst, to be precise, and the backdoor, how the sunburst is really targeting the cloud infrastructure, according to Microsoft. So what Microsoft is saying is they are going after the data in the cloud infrastructure. And that brings them into you know what we have been working on cloud migrations how do you protect the cloud and as early as about you know maybe 15 years ago when we see the word cloud and one of my client come back to me you know don't get me into the cloud because i just don't feel it is secure and which is true i agree with him and so many years later now we all pushing our stuff personal or professionally onto our data into the cloud but how secure it is. And now with this solar wind hack, Sunburst, and that shows us one of the vulnerability that how the hacker can use a backdoor to become a command and control and gain access into this solar winds software and gain access to everywhere, including the US government departments. So this is very concerning. And then that ties in into a recent webinar that we heard about, you know, don't try to get, uh, don't pretend your IT professionals how to manage cybersecurity. And we take it into another level referring to cyber risk is to tie it into cybersecurity and governance. And our audience might have heard that I talk about that earlier, you know, last year, we talk about how the governance side is going to taking over the control of the IT 
including cybersecurity, and how the organization putting a lot more emphasis into GRC governance, risk, and compliance, and leveraging the consultants in the GRC side to drive IT and cybersecurity. So that that's where we the background of the story and talking about why we, you know, explaining my definition on the cyber risk and how we continue to proceed to manage the cybersecurity governance to mitigate this type of risk, the risk of the sunburst. And tying it back into some experts in the field talking about don't leverage your, don't expect uh, your IT professional is able to manage that. And absolutely. And, you know, from in our point of view, in our organization, we also going to look up into an organization called Centernet of Security, Internet Security, CIS. And because they define a lot of benchmark and we have to go into, you know, look into the benchmark, try to comply to the benchmarks to satisfy regulations process. But the key thing is not just looking at those benchmarking. The key elements of that is how do you communicate and then collaborate within the three, what we refer to three different set, uh, segment of the management issues, the business leaders, of the companies who had minimum knowledge about compliance or GRCs or technical side. So, and then you got the GRC folks that who's trying to managing controls as a noun, and you got the technology technologists trying to managing control as a verb. How do you get those three groups of people to communicate and then collaborate? So that's the challenge we're facing. And of course, that ties in into the sunburst um, topic or the hack. And that basically brings up the concerns. And now we have to look at it from a very different angle. And, and how do we connect the dot between the business leaders, the GRC folks, and the technologists? So one part we also looking into now that we got our client into the cloud infrastructure. How do we constantly monitoring the cloud infrastructure? And this is still a challenge in the industry. And so we have to work through with multiple parties and including Microsoft, AWS, uh, Google Cloud, so on and so forth. And then we have to work with them closely to integrating our security tool sets, monitoring tool sets to monitor the whole cyber kill chain. And in this particular case in Sunburst, there are two command and control that took over during the process. And one is using the backdoor and then the backdoor gain access into the infrastructure. From the infrastructure, they escalated their, their, their administrator, I mean, they escalated themselves into administrators and in, in, in the privileges that they can gain by you know, the back door via the back door into escalating the privileges so they can gain more access, wider access into the whole IT systems, into the corporation system. And that's now for us to look at it is, you know, more important to use SIM tools, uh, network behavioral 
analytic type of tool set to monitor the activity between the end users and to, into the cloud infrastructure. And of course, we all know because of COVID, everybody now working in the, most people work from home. So how do you monitoring all this activity without too intrusive into the personal home side? So that's another balancing act that we constantly refining and integrating different type of tool sets. So our platform or service can monitor the end-to-end, the real end-to-end, and then have to work with the cloud service provider, CIS type of people, and work it into a standard into managing the cyber risk. And again and again, the first line of defense, which is something is free and is, you know, all everyone can leveraging, you know, to start increasing their cybersecurity posture is using multi-factor authentications, the MFAs, you know, removing unnecessary apps, you know, with the old legacy apps that is already in the system. Disabling legacies, authentications, you know, those people that already left the company, shut them down, you know, their emails, shut them down. And then using different type of uh, like YubiKey, um, that what we deploy for the client, which is a, a biometric type of security module, what we refer to the hardware security module, HSM, that using the FLIPS validation method, which is an organization to enforcing those hardware to comply with regulatory issues, to comply with technology controls, to secure the desktop at the user end. It doesn't matter if it's company owned or personal owned, it's basically just like a USB with a touch of the finger that at least it notified it is a human behind that machine rather than a botnet, rather than a another machine being taken over by the hacker and nobody knew, you know, at the, at the end user end. So that UB key type of device, the hardware security module, would basically is another way of multi-factor authentications besides the six-digit codes. Um, so that way you have not only the password, not only have the six-digit codes, but another way of validating it is a real user and to start that type of monitoring process. I think that I have talked a lot already, and I'm sure that there's <laughs> a lot of questions behind it. So I'll let Sean or James feel free to ask questions. Well, Stanley, just sort of in general, why is it called a supply chain attack? Oh, good point. So as we have learned from the target hacks, Boy, I don't even remember what year already, but it's not that long ago, maybe five, six years ago in the target attack. So after what the lesson we have learned from that, it was not target themselves got hacked. It was via one of the a, you know, air conditioning vendor that has, lack of a better term, internet access into the target corporate accounts, into the corporate network. So the hackers was able to find the weakness link in that supply chain, which is the AV vendor, the AV contractor, and able to gain access into that network, 
it might be a small company, <laughs> you know, AC contractor. I don't particularly know it was undisclosed how big was their company, but nevertheless, that they gain access into the contractor's network. And from there, they start exploiting what is available. They may not have a particular target in mind at that point. I'm talking about the hacker might not have a particular target in that point. But they stumble along, whoa, I can actually gain access to another network. And from there, going into another network. And then finally, they hit the jackpot, finding target. Yep. And that's how the target hack got, you know, target got data breach. And I don't even remember for how many, how many millions of dollars they got fined. But that triggers that, in, you know, our industry to learn. It is not just the final target has the vulnerability and, you know, it's the target itself. But along the supply chain, along the, you know, the chain of events, that from a small AC contractor that you can gain access to a much bigger target. And that is similar to what this solar winds sunburst event had happened. And because of they were able to leverage the end users in solar wind that works for solar winds. And they were using just the end users authentication, their password, their account, and via their backdoor, they finding, you know, there are additional holes in their software and they loot into the SolarWinds end user, actually employees to update their own software with the malware inside. And then once they updated those um, uh, infected software into SolarWinds clients environment, which in this case is a lot of telecom company, um, big enterprises such as department, different departments of United States government, and SolarWinds is monitoring the network activities. So via that backdoor, they were able to infect all those companies or right. a lot of those companies or departments of US. And then they... Like I said, the second step on the C2 and command and control was escalating the end users, might be just a low level staff's credential. Now they were able to gain access into the administrative systems and get themselves escalated them, their privileges so they can gain more access within the client and client's network environment to able to right, right. execute this attack and you know for the data breach. So that goes back into how the supply chain works in, you know, the the implementations of more regulations such as cybersecurity and mature model certificate from the Department of Defense, enforcing all the supply chain vendors. They don't care mm -hmm. how big or how small they are, and categorize them into five different level of CMMC certifications. And based on the sensitive level, sensitivity of the data that these vendors and how they do business with the Department of Defense, and the, you have to comply with one of those five. And that includes company like Boeing. Or we have clients that basically just provide some you know, consultative services in, in that area that they still have to comply 
to the CMMC. And of course, it depends on the type of, in this particular case, you know, what type of consulting services that, you know, this company is a small outfit, but because of the level of sensitivity, they are looking at a level three of CMMC. So it's, that's why we have to really understand our client's business model, how that supply chain affects them and affecting their client and then to evaluate what is the right solution coming from our security platform to implement the right type of controls to satisfy both cybersecurity and governance. And that's going back into the title, why the word cyber risk. Yeah. See, James, one of the things that we're finding is that uh, when we start talking about governance, policies and procedures, Small and mid-sized businesses don't feel that it really applies to them the same way that it would a larger enterprise-level organization. And these supply chain attacks uh, have become more as the big game is what's being sought. The big game hunters are out there. And the easiest access into a big game is through the smaller partners, vendor partners that they have. So there is a push now uh, within the supply chain for partners to demonstrate some level of cybersecurity hygiene, some level of maturity in their processes, that they have some sense of what they're doing to protect the information that they have access to or may come in contact with and their position within the supply chain. So companies are now saying, to smaller companies that may want to be a vendor to them, do you have a SOC 2 compliance? Why, why would I need that? Well, our company now requires any of our vendors to be SOC 2 compliant or certified. And so this sunburst supply chain attack applies to everybody. The details of it may not, because they may not use these tools, but the the idea of it, the threat of it, of the weak, the weak link in a supply chain being the access point to these larger organizations is what they're concerned about. So even a small operation, we have one client that uh, he does work for a, a larger organization. That's what they told him. We need, we need to be socked too. He's just starting out. He has a small company. He has no idea where to even begin. He hadn't even heard of SOC 2. And so we were educating him on what SOC 2 meant and what he needs to do. And he understands it, but it's going to take him time to get the things in place. And that's one of the things we talk about is it takes time to, if you're not doing some of these things, it takes time to get there. You can't do it overnight. You can't afford to do it overnight. You don't have the time to commit to do to it because you've got a business to run. And so uh, we work with we work with people and they should know that it just takes time. And if you work with people that understand the information that needs to be protected and how those controls can be put into place, both on the policies procedure side and then the technical side, to be able to demonstrate the compliance to SOC 2, it'll make it a lot easier in dealing with people. You don't even need people to ask you for a SOC 2. You just say, we're SOC 2 certified. We're SOC 2 compliant. 
And that's going to ease a lot of concerns in those conversations when it gets to uh, opening the door to letting you be a vendor to the larger organization or anywhere in the supply chain. So we have companies going, why do I need cybersecurity? Well, this is starting to be why you need cybersecurity. We can't unconnect ourselves from from data digital uh, ecosystem that we have today. We all need to figure out how to work within it, live within it, operate within it, and do it safely and securely so we don't affect others. Not a lot different than all of us wearing masks right now. We wear masks so we don't we don't affect other people. Um, if you don't wear the masks, if you don't do cybersecurity, if you don't protect your position and the people that you're working with, you're likely to be the infection that's going to bring them down. So it's yeah, important it to understand a, these things. Yeah, and it's a complicated right. subject. It's an important subject, and yeah. you know, you talk about time, and I think that we're running out of time. We don't want to be. <laughs> it's a big topic, and it is something that is it's changed the industry. And as I have said a few months ago, um, I, I think that I want just to leave the audience three keywords, and which is something that we have been working on for a long time, for years, and also you know, CIS had using those three words, similar three words to, to drive our mission, which is detect, prioritize, and controls. So that's why we were named, you know, one of the pioneer companies in managed detection and response by Gartner back in 2016. And then for us is not just prioritize, but resolving those type of issues, or at least like Sean has said, you leveraging over the time to resolve it one at a time, one small piece, one section at a time. And then to align the controls between cybersecurity technical controls and GRC compliance controls that fits into the business model and fits into the business budgets to make sure that they can ongoing safely have the ease of mind to operate their business. And rather than worry about, you know, who is the right IT professional to manage this cyber risk. So that's our mission. Yeah. James, I'd, I'd leave with a couple of things. I was on a call yesterday and the comment from someone uh, with InfraGuard was, uh, your IT professionals, not your security professionals. It's two different skill sets. And so it's important that people understand that, that it, it's not one and the same. The other was education starts at governance. Educating your employees on the proper way to do things can go a long way to protecting your organization. And then backup testing. Test your backups. Have backups. Be prepared. It's not just a cyber attack. We've talked about it before. It's any sort of incident, flood, fire, pandemic, test your backups. Excellent, excellent. So um, a, a lot of valuable information. So I think you've definitely did a great job explaining Sunburst and how that's affected cyber risk. And, and though I, I hear it from clients as well. A lot of, you know, the, this question about SOC 2, it's, it's kind of yeah. like the new... It's the, it's the new standard. Everybody's being asked about SOC 2. So, so, um, the equivalent is, is it's like PCI DSS for the credit card industry. Anybody, right. anybody that deals with credit information. SOC 2 is essentially, without getting into the weeds of it, the, essentially the same thing as PCI, which is sort of a gold standard in information security. Uh, it just means that you're not dealing with credit transactions. Everything yep. else is pretty much the same. Yep. Yeah. So, 
Understood. Well, maybe, gentlemen, there's, there's time for a part two that gets into more detail about the difference <laughs> between the, uh, the the IT and the and the risk and the cyber risk, sure. um, because because you've really laid out on the table why this is important, such a big issue. Now, you know, how do organizations, especially if they're small one-man band opera organizations, like the one you were describing earlier, they don't even have IT teams, right? How do they approach the issue of risk? Uh, and and um, and and then those organisations that do have a, a an IT professional that are hoping that this IT professional is going to be their saviour for all things cyber and risk. How, how do they move forward from that from that way of of thinking? Take care of your IT professional. They're the <laughs> they're the first they're the first line. They're going to make sure your network security is set up. But they're not cybersecurity professionals. It's it's two different things. But an IT professional that's really good at what they do will certainly help your organization a long way. We always we always tell clients we're not here to replace your IT team. That's not what we do. We can, but that's not what we're here to do. Uh, we're here, and we really rely upon our customers' IT team when they're in place or their MSP when they're in place. They're a big help to us. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Well, listen, thanks both. Um, I, again, a topic I think we will be returning to. <laughs> it's going to be the first year. I yeah, it is a big topic. Yeah. 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 It's going to be years to come. We're still talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank listen, you, James. Thank you, Stanley. Thank you, Sean. Um, hey, thanks, James. We'll, we'll speak again next time. Good talking, guys. Take care. All right. Bye.